0: Hello and welcome back to the lecture series with Reb T, which we try to do in a bi-weekly format, the year where we talk a topic per session with some practical lessons. Tonight's topic is going above and beyond generosity of mindset, basically the idea of Lifnei Mishuras Hadin. The sources are from Safari unless noted otherwise. Look out for the points to carry over, which, if you're following with the sources online, God willing, we'll put them up on Sheer Enjoyment. They're usually bold, italicized, and underlined with the PTC heading. All Sheerum are on dot Sheerum, Slash Sheerum dash Reb dash T. Shout out to Jake W and LEN of Sheer Enjoyment for all their wonderful hard work. The lecture series, The Pal, the Audio DT, and the OT Talk Show are on different podcast forums, and the Dov Show is on Sheer Enjoyment as well. My email is at rebt at sheerenjoyment.com, R-E-B-T. The Sheer should serve as a zechus. Le'ilay nishmas, both my father and my brother, whose yard sites both fall out in March, and Adar, usually Adar Bet, And near one another in Adar, and Yudchet Adar, and Chavtet Adar, Yudchet for my brother, Chavtet for my dad, with the names my brother Menachem Tzvi ben Chaim Yitzchak, and Chaim Yitzchak ben Michal Shlomo for my dad, as well as Le'iloy Nishmas, my wife's great-grandfather, Yehuda Leiv ben Yitzchak, whose yorzeit is tonight, Bo Yom, This year should also serve as a zazachos for the refuah shalema of anyone sick or anyone needing a yeshua or a refuah. Are you a strict follower, or do you go beyond the pale? Are you someone who sticks to the exact parameters, or do you go a little bit above and beyond? It's wonderful to do mitzvahs, and we should all do them as much as possible all the time. But how do we do the mitzvahs? How do we help people? Do we do the bare necessities, the bare minimum? Or do we push ourselves to be holders of the attribute of chasidut, Or a chasid which strives to do more, to go above and beyond, to give generously, involve ourselves in going beyond the letter of the law, lefnei meshurah sadin. Beyond the letter of the law applies in many, many ways and can be thought of as thinking about the spirit of the law, not just the law itself. For example, the law, the halacha may say, give 10% to tzedakah, but to go lefnei mishra sadin, to go beyond the letter of the law, is to give 11%, or 12%, all the way up to 20%. But we'll talk about later why that's the cutoff. So we're supposed to act above and beyond and be generous more than just the bare minimum. If you're going to do something for someone else, make sure to go the whole way. All the way to go above and beyond. For example, if you're cooking for someone, don't just give them the chicken potatoes you write in the perfect potluck or take them on your website. Go above and beyond. Give them a fruit bowl or cutlery or cups or bowls or plates or a drink or side dishes the kids will like too. Trust me, they'll be so thankful and happy to have it all taken care of at once, which I personally have been told on more than one occasion. You can never go wrong going above and beyond, going lifnei Meshura sadin, going beyond the letter of the law for other people, for Hashem, especially for your spouse and for your kids, and above and beyond for the world at large. You can never go wrong being generous. In addition, what can we do in our own lives to go above and beyond to help those around us, to give to those around us, to try to make the world better for those around us? For me, it's pushing myself above and beyond my, my own day job, my own learning to try to share with others in my various formats, my various audio podcasts or side projects, which hopefully will help others. But what can you do to utilize your passion, your strengths, your talents, and your abilities to go beyond the letter of the law, to go above and beyond. Lifnei as Adin generously to help those around you. We must go above and beyond for everyone around us especially for our spouses and kids? What can we do to better help out around the house and for the kids? What can we do to prioritize our spouses and kids, spouses, then kids? How can we go beyond the letter of the law for our spouses, then kids, then everyone else? For example, if your wife wants to eat out and have delivery, go out to the restaurant, don't just get her one dish, get her every dish, any dish, everything she wants. Think about... How we could go above and beyond to help others. Can we send food packages or money to other people? Maybe think about those who are alone for the holidays. Maybe send them pre made food or the like for Pesach or over porridge to those who may have to be home alone or those who are unfortunately home alone. How can we go above and beyond to become thoughtful and sensitive and think of others beyond the minimum? that should only be the starting point to help those around us in some ways in some tiny ways we can all try to live lifnei shura sadin if i throw a party for a family member or I give gifts for an occasion or holiday i myself personally like to give a lot of little things instead of one big thing I like to push myself to give. If I'm involved in a mitzvah, I try to push myself to do more than the strict minimum. We should push ourselves to do more than the strict minimum. We can all try to think and live in such a way in all of our days, every single day. Rabbi Yisrael Siner points out on Torah.org a very interesting theme that we're going to talk about in a couple of ways that's based on the Ramban himself. When we look at the idea of l'shne m'shuras adin, it, it really comes from Parshas Ve'Eschanan. Rabbi Sina points out when we look at Parshas Eschana, it begins with Moshe pleading with Hashem to allow Moshe to enter Eretz Yisrael. It continues with Moshe's admonitions and exhortations to Bnei so to follow the Torah's ex- instructions. Excuse me, carefully adhere to the mitzvos of Hashem, your God, and the Eidos, the testimonies, and the chukim, the laws that are beyond our understanding. That he has commanded you. The key phrase that we're going to, God willing, come back to. Do that which is straight and good in the eyes of Hashem. What does that mean? Do what is straight and good in the eyes of Hashem. It doesn't just mean be honest and truthful and upstanding in your business and your ways. We'll see. In order that he will give you good, and he will come, and you will come and inherit the good land that he promised your forefathers. So the Ramban picks up on this and offers two explanations of these psukim, these verses. The simple understanding is that Moshe first exhorted us to fulfill the mitzvos. He then told us that our intentions when doing the mitzvos should be solely to do that which is straight, yashar, and good, tov, in the eyes of Hashem. By our doing what is good in Hashem's eyes, He will return good to us. What goes around comes around. The idea of we put good out there, good will come back. The Ramban then offers a different explanation. Nachmanides explains, In, his, in the first Pesach, Moshe ca- cautioned us to fulfill the mitzvahs that we'd already been commanded. Moshe then commanded us, V'yasi <laughs> Hashem, Do the straight and good in the eyes of Hashem, even that which you have not been commanded. See what is good. See what is straight in the eyes of Hashem and do it. Act in a way which is Lefnim mishurei sadin, beyond the letter of the law, literally beyond what is within the line of the law, going beyond the bare minimum, going above and beyond the generosity of mindset. Listen to this. The following story is told about the saintly Rav Zalman of Vilna. One person approached another on the eve of Yom Kippur to ask for forgiveness. He refused, citing the law that you are not obligated to forgive someone who slandered you. On Yom Kippur! Rav Zalman, a young boy at the time, turned to the person who had refused to forgive. And he said to him, Chazal teach that your Shalayim was destroyed only because they decided their laws based on the strict law of the Torah. At first glance, this seems very strange. The Prophet Yechazkel enumerates many very serious sins that were being committed. How can the destruction be ascribed to not acting the name of Sher Sadin? Perhaps it can be explained in the following way, he said. True, many very serious sins were being committed. However, as long as we weren't holding others to the letter of the law, Hashem didn't hold us to the letter of the law. Once we refused to treat others in the manner of Lifnei Meshur sadin, Hashem was no longer willing to treat us Lifnei Meshur sadin. That strict accounting that He held Bnei Yisrael to directly led to the Chorban, the destruction of Yerushalayim. If you act, Lifname Meshuras sadin, Hashem will act back at you, Lefnei Meshuras sadin. You go above and beyond doing for others, forgiving others, and doing what you can for everyone around you, you better believe Hashem will get it back to you as well. So Zalman's brilliant and insightful words found their mark. He immediately rushed back to his friend and forgave him for what he had done to him. Doesn't matter if it was yesterday. Doesn't matter if it was 20 years ago. We go above and beyond for others. Even if it means having to swallow within ourselves. Hashem himself will come back to us and take care of what we need for ourselves. When we learn to live such a life. Lifnei Meshur sadin, And we go above and beyond being generous for everyone around us. Hashem in turn acts that way toward us as well. And the whole world benefits as a whole. Rabbi David Mosvas points out on my jewishlearning.com another fascinating story. The story is told of a poor man who came to the Bresque Rav, Rabbi Salvechik, on Erev Pesach, the day before Pesach, very much coming up soon in a few weeks, on Erev Pesach with a question. Could he use milk instead of wine for the Daud Kosos, the Arba Kosos, the four cups at the Seder instead of wine for the four cups at the Seder? Could he use milk instead of wine? The briskorov did not reply. Instead, he took five rubles. There's always rubles in these stories for some reason. Instead, he took five rubles from his pocket and gave them to the man. The Rub's wife wondered why he had given the man so much money. Wouldn't one ruble have been enough for wine, she asked? True, the bris- briskorov answered. But listen to this thinking. If he was planning on drinking milk throughout the Seder, that means he had no money for meat either. If he was planning on drinking milk throughout the Seder, do you think he had money for meat? I gave him enough money for both wine and meat. The brisk combined keen perception with adherence to the spirit of the law. For though he could have answered the poor man's question, he could have given him a half a ruble, one ruble. He gave five rubles. He went the extra mile above and beyond to ensure that the poor man would fulfill the mitzvot, the commandments of Pesach, as well as enjoy its festive spirit, understanding the thinking behind the matter, going above and beyond. That's what we're talking about in the precept encapsulated in the verse, You shall be holy, for I, Hashem, am holy. It's possible, as Ramban explains, for a person to keep the letter of the law while violating its spirit, thus becoming a novel Bershus a degenerate within the confines of the Torah. The Torah commands us to be holy, to sanctify ourselves, even in those circumstances that are permitted according to the strict interpretation of the law. You shall be holy. Tehiyat Kadosh tells us to take a step back in order to uphold the spirit of the law. It tells us that even though a certain act seems permitted, we must nevertheless demonstrate self-restraint to prevent the spirit of the law from being violated. In doing so, we become holy. At the same time, see Sahayashar What you shall do that which is right and good tells us to take a step forward in order to promote the spirit of the law. Though we may find ourselves in situations where we feel we can sit back and not get involved, the spirit of the Torah demands that we take initiative and get involved. The Talmud states Yerushalayim was destroyed because the inhabitants failed to raise their standard of behavior above the letter of the law. So if we learn to have such sensitivity to do for others, on even a small level, smaller than even what the Brisker figured out, if we can think for others, to go above and beyond for others, to be generous, so generous for others, especially our spouses, then kids and the like, the whole world would be a more peaceful and compassionate place. Rabbi Yochanas and Geffen points out on ish.com when the verse teaches us that you should do what is right and good in the eyes of Hashem and then you'll come and inherit the land Hashem promised to give your forefathers, the commentaries write this verse which appears towards the end of the Torah is the source for Lefnei Meshores Adin, like we mentioned. It's necessity. It teaches us the necessity to avoid being medoctic, exacting in matters of the law, but to be mevater, forgiving what is rightfully ours in certain situations. An example is when a person finds a lost object that halachically, legally, he's allowed to keep, but he knows the identity of the original owner. The rabbis tell us, even though it's technically permitted to keep the object, you should nonetheless give it back. Also, if you Find something lost and there's no sign, there's no semen on it. It's technically hefker, it's technically onus. When you go and you spend hours and hours trying to find the person, that's majorly the name of Shiraz din. There's a great story, the Havdil, of an episode of what would you do where they explain different situations. They show different situations. One of the episodes showed a lost check or lost money, I forget which one it was, on the floor, and what people's reactions are to the money. So people go, people come, people go, people come. Nobody touches the money, nobody touches the check. Some people actually pocket the money, run off. Some people look both ways and then take it and run. But one person, one person takes it, looks in it, and starts canvassing the area again and again and again. That one person kept looking, kept searching, kept finding until he finally found the person that the check was lost to or the money was lost to. Who do you think it was? That person was a religious Jew with a kippah and everything. What a kiddush Hashem on a secular show. There's another example, a very famous example that came up in recent years where somebody had a desk or a piece of furniture and like a ton, a ton, a ton of money was found in it and he returned it. A religious Jew, also a beautiful kiddush Hashem. Lifnei Meshur Satin, going above and beyond. Doesn't have to be thousands of dollars. But anything you see, anything you do, even if the strict letter of the law is on your side, You go above and beyond, you find, you give, you give it back. Lifnei mishur sadin, doesn't hurt, always will come back for good. Another example is when a piece of property is for sale. The prospective buyer should give precedence to the person who lives next to that property because he stands to gain the most by buying this particular property. And there's also another example in the Gemara. A sage was saying the, the, the Shema and somebody came over to the sage and said to him, I offer you this much for your money. He saw the sage was quiet. The sage was saying Shema. The sage couldn't answer. And then he said, I'll offer you more. The sage was still quiet. I'll offer you more. Finally, the sage finishes Shema and turns to the buyer. I forget where in the Talmud this is. But the sage turns to the guy and says, I will give it to you, but for the first offer you gave me. He could have easily made a ton of money on the deal. He could have taken the second or the third offer but lifnei Meshuras Hadin, making a Kiddush Hashem, taking that first offer, because technically in my mind when I was saying Shema, I had accepted mentally the first deal. Nobody would have known that. He could have taken whatever offer, but lifnei Meshuras Hadin. In truth, however, there are numerous instances when one should go beyond the letter of the law. The Ramban, te- the Ramban teaches to us, Torah did to explicitly state them all, but we should learn from the verse that we must constantly strive to treat people... To deal with people in an understanding fashion, in a beyond the letter of the law fashion, avoid treating them according to the strict letter of the law. It seems that failure to treat people beyond the letter of the law reflects a deep flaw in a person's attitude towards serving God. Rav Yitzhak Berkowitz explains, based on the Ramban this verse, is the equivalent in interpersonal relationships to kadoshim to you. As we mentioned before, a person can keep all the mitzvot, but still be the manuval. He can be careful not to transgress any mitzvos, but if he has no interest in elevating himself, to pushing himself, to helping people above the strict confines, that are not intrinsically mitzvot or sins, such as eating or sleeping or the like, then he's not really being involved in what the spirit of what we're supposed to be doing is. Understanding that the Torah is true. Of course it must be observed, but subscribe to the the true Torah outlook. Going above and beyond. Elevate the person, yourself, spiritually. Don't be involved in just the basic, going above and beyond, pushing yourself above and beyond for those around you, elevating yourself in areas that you're not technically obligated to do so. Similarly, in the realm of interpersonal relationships, a person may recognize the necessity of following the Torah laws, but also the values behind them. Don't just adhere to the strict letter of the law, but whenever he has the opportunity to make any gain to help others around you, not hesitate to do so. Don't Lose out on being the Asisa Vi Hayashavatobane Hashem. Act Lifne sadin Treat people in a merciful fashion, not to be medoctic on every case. Then Torah is instructing us to develop a genuine sense of love via hafta Larecha If you would go above and beyond for yourself, you have to go above and beyond for your other part of yourself, your spouse, for the extension of yourself, your kids. And for your friends and your fellow Jews around you, if you would do so much for yourself, how much can you do for someone else? Treat someone else the way you want to be treated. You go above and beyond for someone else, they'll go above and beyond for you. The golden rule is treat others as you want to be treated, which is fundamental to being forgiving and compassionate. Someone loses a valuable object, don't hesitate to return it. Don't hesitate to investigate, to search and find how we could give it back. Even if you're not technically obligated to do so. Using Lifnei Meshuras Hadin. We can fix the whole world if we start by ourselves to go above and beyond. To incorporate the generosity mindset. It all starts today. It all starts with you. Be kind. Be generous. Be an above-beyond person for those around you. We must do whatever we can to go above and beyond the letter of the law or the strict law of what is mandated of us. We must help everyone around us become generous by nature to be true and ingrained givers in all aspects of our lives to all those around us. Go above and beyond. Learn to have the generosity mindset. Ingrained it into your very being and make sure to do so and start so today. Other sources point out, like the gray matter by Bet-Dim, that the great importance of acting beyond the letter of the law is clear. The Gemara points out in Brachos that Hashem prays that he should act Name Neh Meshur Rav Walzenberger says that Rav, said, Rav Yosef Dov Salvechik once said, Halacha is not a ceiling, but a floor. Halacha is not where we stop, it's but where we start. Halacha teaches us that we're supposed to have ethical moments, different than halacha, when we think about the flavor, the spirit of the law. Not that it's a rigid law, not that it's rigid justice, but that we have to do Lifname mishores Saddin. Rav Herzog, Rav Yitzchak Herzog points out, lifnei mishores s'adin, an expression of kindness And legal framework characterizes the real, true ideal. And that's the first point to carry over. We must go above and beyond for everything in our lives, including our relationships, especially our spouses, then our kids, and those around us in the world at large, the standard itself is what should be considered. Is not what should can be considered the end all and be all. That is not the ideal. Do more than required. Be truly generous. Be truly chesed oriented for others around you. Rashi points out in Devarim, and Hayashver Hatov, it refers to a compromise, acting beyond the strict demands of the law. Lifnei Mishra Sadin, the Gemara, and Baba Metzia points out when it says Asher Yaasun, when the the Torah uses the word Yaasun, it's referring to acting also beyond the letter of the law. And this is the Gemara that points out that Yerushalayim was, point, was destroyed because they based it just on law and didn't go Lefnei Meshur Zadim. They should have went Lefnei Meshur sadim. They did not go beyond the letter of the law. And that's the proof text that proves Hashem wasn't happy with that. Bab Mitzio also points out in Anlamid, a source for going beyond the letter of the law and performance of mitzvahs. So for Yosef taught on you should teach them also the statutes and the laws. They should walk and the action they must perform from Shamos. The Brai talks about in the verse, You shall teach them that refers to the structure of their livelihood. Teach the Jewish people traits so they may earn a living. Because once they earn a living, they can help out those around them. And that's another point to carry over. We should do what we can to be more than the minimal more than the basis, more than the floor of what is required. Use our time, our money, our resources, and abilities to go above and beyond to help those surrounding us with the generosity mindset. The Ramban itself is the text right here. We brought it for you right here. The text that we referenced earlier from Devarim, do what is right and good. The meaning of the verse is keeping Hashem's commandments, testimonies, and laws to prepare them to do what is good and right in Hashem's eyes alone. When it says, it may go well with you in Devarim, it's a it's a promise. It says, by doing what is good in God's eyes, it will be good for you. Because God brings what is good to those who are good and right in their hearts. And our Rabbi said in the beautiful Medrash in Babel Kama, it refers to the compromise acting beyond the strict demands of the law. The Rambam points out in Shemone Prakim that... Many times we have to do the middle path, and then sometimes we have to do the extremes like arrogance and anger. But when it comes to doing things in life, the rabbis hinted to us what we should do for others around us is to do more than the strict letter of the law demands. And this to me also points out in Pirkei Avos, you know we love Pirkei Avos, my favorite safer, we have the PAL show about it, but in 510, in Hay. Yud, parak hay mishnah yud, we're talking four middos. There are four types of dispositions in a person. The best one is one that says, Mine is yours and yours is yours. Yes, you have a closet, I have a closet. My closet is yours and your closet is yours. My stuff is yours, your stuff is yours, that is a chassid. That is the chassid mindset. He benefits men, people with his possessions. He does not benefit from the possessions of others. He gives to others and lets them use their stuff as well. He is a chassid acting above and beyond the letter of the law. The Bartanur points out in Mishnah Avo's Bet Aleph, the midah of generosity, which is the mean, the, the average between stinginess and extravagance, is gratifying to its doer. When you're a generous person, when you do generous things, it doesn't just benefit the person who does it. It doesn't ver- benefit, excuse me, the person who receives it. It benefits the person that does it. That's why there's a famous gemara: More than the person who gives to someone else, more than the person who receives the charity is the person that does the charity, the person that does the act might benefit even more than the person receiving the act. Because you train yourself each generous act, each tzedakah act, each above and beyond act, to make yourself a more refined person. Perke Avos points out also the Bartanora on Perke Avos in Bet Chet, there were different sages that were the the students of of uh, of Rabbi Yochanan Ben Zake, a great sage in and of himself, and each one had a different quality. He would explain and expound on their praises. What was Rabbi Yossi Hakohen's praise? A chassid. Why was he a chassid? Because he acted above and beyond the letter of the law. Why is that such a good thing? Because the Bartonor points out in Bet Tet the trait of chassidus. What really means in the in the in the in the sources, Hasidus is going above and beyond the letter of the law. That is good. Someone who doesn't do that is not bad, is not wicked, but he's not getting the title Chasid, a pious person. Rabbin Yonah points out the commentary we're actually using now in the current season. So in Bet 10, he talked about the straight path the person should cling to. From all the good and straight paths that a person should cling to, there is one trait to be complete with it. It's better for a person to grab one trait in full. It's easier for them to reach all the important traits via it. There are many traits, and that is the trait of Ayin Tov. We're going to look at that in a second, the actual Mishnah. But Ayin Tov, Rabbi Elezer says, The sage asks the students, and everyone gives a different answer. The main answer is Ayin Tov, a good eye. The trait of generosity is a fine and praiseworthy trait, and everything else will come with it. we're going to come back to that in a minute. And that's another point to carry over. Do what we can to be the chassid, to be the pious person in our own actions, in our own lives. Being a pious person goes beyond the simple help is what we should all aspire to. Having the generous nature can lead us to do for others more than necessary to become the chassid, the pious one. The Mishnah and points out, whoever does one mitzvah above and beyond his merits Though his merits are more than his transgressions is benefited, his days are lengthened in the world to come. He inherits the land, the land of life. And the Mechote, de Rabbi Yishma points out, the deeds that they should do, the good act, the performs in the mitzvahs, the words of Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Lezer, I say, you shall apprise them, make known the house of their life, instruct them earning a livelihood, the way is to visit the sick, they shall go to the burial of the dead, and practicing love and kindness in the deed, the law, and that they shall do different things that are commanded upon us. But when we say they shall do, they shall do things above and beyond the letter of the law. The Penine Halacha also points out, it talks about different things, and it goes to different things, different mitzvahs, different times of the year. But we see this most interestingly in the miracle of Hanukkah. The candles, the way we do candles by Hanukkah is one of the only times we use the phrases mehadrin, Min Why? By Hanukkah, we talk mahajim and mahajim. The candles—the best way when every person has a candle, and every night they add on a candle. Based so on based that's mahajim and mahajim. You publicize the miracle of, Han- of Hanukkah. Those who go above and beyond when well, we're mahajim and mahajim—the highest level is to light one candle for every adult member of the household and to raise it every night—one for first night, two for the second night, and so on and so forth. But it shouldn't just be for Hanukkah. The point to carry over, I would say, is that we should think about going above and beyond for all mitzvahs. We should do mahajim and a mahajim, not just for Hanukkah, but for everything. In general, for all mitzvahs, for Torah learning and chesed too. Why can't you be a mahajim and a mahajim type of a Jew? Why can't you do chesed, mahajim and a mahajim? Why can't you be a generous person with your tzedakah, with your time, with your resources, mahajim and a mahajim? Every day of your life. Peninnah Halacha also points out that there are some people who go above and beyond in mitzvahs in general, and they buy a menorah for Hanukkah, for example, or a candelabra for Shabbos, made of gold or silver, a beautiful type of tachshish mitzvah or an element of a mitzvah, something used for a mitzvah. One who does not have a menorah may stick candles on a flat surface and light them, but try to find that good material. The Machser points out in Rosh Hashanah, the pious are those whose attachment to Hashem is so great, that they serve him in ways which are even above and beyond the precisely ordained commands of the Torah, and Penin Elachah points out on Shabbos, those who go above and beyond a lufnei mesharif'sedin personality in mitzvos is someone who spends even more for mitzvos. And they receive great reward for this. Of course, there's a caveat. We'll talk about it by tzedakah in a little bit. But in general, you're not supposed to spend more than a third on a mitzvah. So don't spend a $50,000 on an esrog. You can't break the bank. You can't break yourself over it. But you should go and spend a little more, a little more. If you would spend X amount of money for your car, you would spend X amount of money for your house, you'd spend X amount of money for such a nice, comfortable bed sheet or a nice, comfortable blanket, you're not going to do so for a mitzvah. Not to spend $1,000 for an estrog, but to spend something substantial. If there's regular mehudr, mehudr, and mehudr, the extra $5 are going to break you. Go mahajim and mehajim for mitzvos and for chesed in general. When listening to the Megillah, Penina Halakha points out, one should not read along with him from a printed version those who go above and beyond. Halavai, we should be zocha. We could all afford this to purchase a kosher Megillah, which apparently in current rate is 1100 bucks. We should all be zocha. But we should go above and beyond purchasing the best things we can for mitzvot if it's realistic and practical and possible. And that's the point to carry over. We should go above and beyond in observance of mitzvot and in executing them. Don't just get a simple menorah or a low-level lulav. Spend on them. Beautify the mitzvot. Go beyond, above and beyond for the mitzvot and elevate them. The Masanism on Pesach HaGadah though points out that there is also a caveat to the idea above and beyond as well. It must have been that the Egyptians' oppression went above and beyond what Hashem allowed them for. Hashem probably said, I want the Midstream to be the the, the stick that, that, that hits the Jews. But they went way too far. They went way too beyond. And this is in every aspect of history. In World War II, and the Crusades, the Inquisition, all these crazy, terribly tragic times in our, in our, in our history... Hashem had a, a, an instrument for them to happen to the Jewish people, but they had their free will and they went way too far, way too brutal, way too dangerously destructive and, and evil, 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 way too much above and beyond what Hashem allowed for. And that's the caveat, the point to carry over. Only go above and beyond for good, for chesed, for Mitzvos, not, God forbid, to hurt or harm others, not, God forbid, for averos. The Gamar points out in Sota, Rabbi Yisshu Menlevi says, "We give the cup of blessing to who? To someone who has a good eye. Not assuming that you have Kohanim or great Rabbanim at your table. Everyone at the table is a Yisrael, right? Who do you give it to bless? Who should be the one that leads benching? You got a stingy person. You got a mean person. You got a generous person. You got an average person. Who do you give it to? You give it to the generous person. You give it to a good eye. Why?" Because one, as it says in Mishlei, one who has a good eye will be blessed. Ye vorach. But I always love when there's a play on words. For he gives his bread to the poor. But it, do not read it as will be blessed. Rather read it, will bless. Not ye vorach, but yivarech The wonderful thing about the Torah, one of the many, many, many wonderful things, is that there's no nekudos. So we see the letters, and the letters can be conjugated differently with different vowels. So when we say, give it to someone who has a good eye, will be blessed, he too will bless. Yivorach or Yivarech. The Gemara points out in Sukkah, Rabbi Elazar said, The reward for charity is paid from heaven, only in accordance with the kindness and generosity included therein, in accordance with the effort, Lofum Agra from Pirkei Avos, and the consideration that went. Hashem gives you your payment in accordance with how generous you were in your life. If you were stingy, if you were way too frugal, if you were too miserly with your money, you were hoarding and holding onto it, which of course is not possible because Hashem decides how much money you're going to get every year at Rosh Hashanah anyway. That comes with commiseration, with, in accordance, excuse me, of how much generosity you yourself gave. If you were generous, Hashem will be generous to you in, commis- in, in conjunction with how much you were. And that's what the Gemara says in the Dharma also. Moshe treated the Torah with generosity, he gave it to the people. And it says that he had a bountiful eye and that they shall be blessed. He gives his bread to the poor. The Albus Serbeno Nelson points out in Purgi two nine. we mentioned before, the sage said to his students, go see what's the best way to live. They all gave five answers. One said a good neighbor, one said a good companion, one said a good, a good this, looking at the future, trying to pre- see the outcome of an event. But Rabbi Eliezer said a good eye. And he said to them, I believe Rabbi Yochanan Mzake said to them, that Rabbi Elez, Eliezer's words were the best. Because when you have a good eye, everything else comes with it. You have a good eye, you'll have a good heart. You have a good eye, you'll be a good friend. You have a good eye, you'll be a good neighbor, and so on and so forth. If you have a good eye, you'll think about how best to help people, especially in the future. And Rabbi Yonah points out on Pirkei Avos, when Rabbi Eliezer said a good eye... He means to say the trait of generosity going above and beyond, which is a fine and praiseworthy trait. Once he's at the peak of generosity, he will certainly reach the other virtues, as this trait comes to him because of a broad heart, because of a good heart, because of a good eye. And Rabinion also points out he a trait of generosity He's generous to people with his body and heart to wish what they desire to do their will, all the more so will he be generous to them with his money, and I would say resources and time as well. And that's another point to carry over. Train yourself to have a good eye, to have a good heart, to be generous towards others in all aspects, including time, including money, including resources, and including all your capabilities and abilities. Rashi points out, and we're going to show it in a different source also, the idea of Truma and Master especially Truma though, when we're giving what we're supposed to from the field, what is the best quality, quantity to give? The rabbis fixed a few quantities. There's a 60th, a 50th, a 40th, and, um, and so on. So the benevolent eye gives a 40th. A stingy one gives one sixtieth. Someone who's average gives a 50th. And if someone's really... Really, really generous would give him more than 1 out of 30. But it doesn't say that. But really, we want to be at least, not average, we want to be benevolent at least, 1 of the crop. And this Rambam, on Perkeiavos, I want to point to is one of my favorite, favorite passages. He talks about the generous nature. The parable with this, the Rambam explains on Perkeiavos, Gimel Tedvav, when a man gives a thousand gold coins at one time, To one man, this is a very famous parable he gives, to whom it is fitting and he does not give anything to another man, the trait of generosity will not come into his hand with this great act, as much as it would come to someone who donates a thousand gold pieces a thousand times. Meaning, if you have the ability to give a thousand coins to one person, or one coin a thousand times to a thousand people, what should you do? You give one coin a thousand times to the thousand people. Because each time you give it, you're building your generosity muscles. Each time you give it, you make yourself chipping away at the heart, making it more generous, more generous, more tzedakah, more tzedakah, more tzedakah, every single day. Because this one repeated act of generosity a thousand times will give you an extremely strong acquisition of being a generous nature. You have the ability to give 50 grand one time, or to give $1 50,000 times. You give the $1 50,000 times. And you by nature help 50,000 people as well. The Orchot Sadiqan points out, generosity is that trait through which man can attain great heights when dedicated to the good. It is indeed most praiseworthy. There is nothing in the world like generosity for getting the world to love you. Even in the world to come, the generous man will receive a good reward because of his gifts. Because of his generosity. That's the only thing that comes with you. You try to make a good name. You try to do as much chesed and mitzvahs as possible. What you did with your actions, with your time, with your mitzvahs, and with your abilities, that's what comes with you. Orchot Tzadigim also points out there are three kinds of generosity. With money, with the body, and with wisdom. And they were all found in Avram, one of my greatest role models, one of my favorite characters in all of Tanakh. and Bereshis, Avram was all about chesed, all about kindness, all about generosity. And Ruch HaSadigim also points out when it comes to generosity, he who sows charity will reap its products. He who has his quality will prosper, as it says they are scattered and yet increased. And he also points out that the sages point out the quality of generosity depends on habit. For a man cannot be called generous unless he always gives of his own free will, of his time, of his abilities, of all times and hours. And that's another point to carry over. Every act you do, for others, with a generous spirit above and beyond, trains your generosity muscles and makes you by definition into a more and more generous person of spirit and nature. And the Orch Sadigim also points out that when a person cleaves to this quality, it brings about all good things. And the greatest type of generosity is he who gives himself to a person in order to lead into an eternal life of the world to come. If you have the ability... To use your creative talents to make a song that'll bring people closer to Torah, to give a sheer that'll bring closer to Torah, to record yourself, video or audio-wise, to bring yourself closer to Torah, to write something, or to, to bring about something, to create something, to bring yourself closer to Torah, that's an extremely high level. The greatest type of generosity is bringing people closer to Torah, closer to eternity in the life of the world to come. And he also points that a man should be careful with his wealth, be generous where generosity is called for. The Shnei points out in the Torah, why was Rivka meritorious to come into the house of Avraham? We don't know anything about anything about the qualities of what was looking for except for tzedakah and chesed and generosity. It wasn't even about yichus because there wasn't really such great yichus in the family. It was about generosity of spirit. She gave not only to Eliezer and his men but also to his camels. Some people estimate that she must have made. Tens of tens of trips to feed. Do you know how much a camel drinks? And there were ten camels? That must have been very physically exhausting. And the sages, the sources that say she was very, very young, makes it even more so craziness. How much more so generosity of spirit? And also volunteered the lodge for him to stay. The Kavayasha points out a person must pray to Hashem that he incline his heart toward a level of generosity appropriate to his means, neither miserly nor spendthrift. And the Lekotin Maharan points out that charity is the generosity of the heart, as is written from every person. As his heart urges him, so you shall take my donation. Generosity is that the heart is open and benevolent. The Sefer Amidah points out by tzedakah, charity is in two areas, according to one's generosity and according to what Hashem has blessed with him. And the Shalhevesh points out one can employ the innate human drive of generosity to give money to the poor. And Avram, we spoke about before, he was known for generosity and demonstrates his generosity time and again, especially bringing generous portions of food to the messengers who visit his home. He said, come here, I'll give you a little bit to eat. He gave them tongue and meat and milk. He gave them so much. That's the uh, wonderful idea of assayment. Uh, and more ma'at ve harbe, saying little and doing much. The opposite, obviously, was Ephron, who swindled him and made him pay a fortune for Sarah's burial plot. But that's for a different time. And that's another point to carry over. We should first make sure to want to do good for others, to want to be generous for others with generosity of mind, body, and spirit. Then hopefully, Hashem will bless us to have it and use it every day. Tehillim Tehillim points out, the wicked man borrows and does not repay, but the righteous is generous. The righteous is generous. Don't we all want to be generous? Don't we all want to be righteous? Be generous. Keep giving him also points out he is always generous and lands. his children are held blessed. We want to be blessed, we should be generous. Mishle points out, generous person enjoys prosperity. Who is He who satisfies others shall himself be sated. You take care of others, Hashem will take care of you. Mishle points out, the generous man is blessed. The best way to get the brachos is to be giving, is to be generous, is to go above and beyond. And Mission Truma points out what we've talked about before, a 40th, a 30th, a 50th, or a 60th, the best to be above and beyond. Bishamah says a 30th above and beyond. The Gemara Shabbos says, He who is born on the fifth day of the week will be generous. What is the reason? Because the fish and birds were created thereon, which are fed by God's love and kindness. And that's another point to carry over. Being a generous person leads to having a blessed full life. Train ourselves, train yourself to be generous, to go above and beyond, and life will feel even richer, even fuller, even more fulfilling, full of blessings, fulfillment, and happiness. I can not tell you, over the years, the most fulfilling things are to do for others, to to be involved in mitzvahs for chesed. I think back to when I was in the Midnat Vim trip and we we had to build for people and paint for people. It was so fulfilling to be involved with the hands. That's the whole idea of OT, finding ourselves to be occupational beings, fulfilled beings, figuring out how to use our time, to be involved in areas of occupation that are fulfilling, rewarding, and, and full of blessing. And how to do so is to be not only a chesed person, not only a giving person, but to be a generous above and beyond person. The Sefer Mahamadosh points out, when it says, I've been generous with my, mo- with my money, a master has said, Eov was generous with his money, he used to live- leave with his shopkeeper, approved to coin of his change as a tip. Always good to tip people. Anyone who comes, even if they do a job, it's always good to tip people. And-, and luckily, my wife reminds me time and time, and again, we should always give tips to people. Not only is it a nice thing and a generous thing, but it's also a kiddush Hashem. The Chavos HaLavavos points out a person should be generous, absolutely generous and kind, the most possible extreme of generosity and kindness to those deserving, those who are not deserving. That's why the Torah points out, help someone unload a donkey, you have a choice. The Gemara points out you have a choice between your enemy and your friend. Who do you help first? You help your enemy. You have to be kind and generous even to those who you feel are not deserving. And the generosity and kindness is continuous, never ending and without interruption. And he also points out, when he trusts in God, if he has more money than he needs, he will spend it in a way which pleases the Creator, like charity, with a generous spirit and a good heart. Because, You give everything to us, and we try to give it to everyone else. And everything is yours. Everything is from Hashem. From your hand we give it to others. And we think, ah, oh, we're going to hold on to our money? We're, we should think of ourselves like an executor of a will. It's Hashem's will that He gives us X amount of money. It's Hashem's will that other people have money. We should execute the will the way we would think Hashem wants us to, to give to others, to do for others. It's Hashem's money that He lets you be an executor of. It's not your money. Don't say, mm-hmm. don't say Kol yadi. Don't say what the dvarm says, which is the negative outlook, the negative thing to say, it's my hard work, they got this money. Hashem gives you the money. He's going to give you X amount of money from Rosh Hashanah. You can work 10 hours, you work 100 hours, you do your ashtadah, you do your input, But it's Hashem's money that He gives to you. How are you executing the will? How are you being an overseer of the money? Yeah, you could put money in stocks. You could put money in trust funds. You could put money anywhere. But Hashem can make it go to nothing. Hashem can take it away. Anything can close. Businesses can shut down, yada, yada. It's Hashem's money. You should execute it the way that He would want, with a generous spirit and a good heart. The improvement of moral qualities points out, man should know if he's in a prosperous condition, his generosity will not impair his prosperity. If he's in a straitened condition, his adversity will not continue on that account. It's particular to this noble quality that he employs it never feels the want of anything. On the contrary, his abundance is much increased. Hashem has all the money in the world. He will make sure you have it. Thus it was said in the book of Ethics, bestow kindness on those who are worthy and those who are unworthy. In the case of the worthy, the kindness is in the right place, and in the case of the unworthy, prove their worth. And that's the point to carry over. If you give to others, Hashem will make sure you have what to give to others. And the Mishnah Torah points out in Matnas Anim, one is supposed to be as generous as possible. And the Radak in Generous points out an amazing little vort. Asser A'asrenu Lacha teaches to us in Bereshis. A grammatically unusual formulation. It's an accepted formulation as found also in Devarim with the same verb, shamorti shamarun. There are many similar examples of this kind of repetition, but the sages point out in Gemara Kesuvos that this formulation is used in the verse specifically to teach. Even if one wants to be generous in the donation of charity and holy causes, be very generous, but do not give away more than a fifth, 20% of one's wealth in order not to become an act of charity himself. Because of carelessly squandering wealth given to God. That's what we said before, the caveat. Don't give everything away, even a fifth. But Aser asr, asr, and, and, to, to teaches us to give the 10% or more up to 20 But the point to focus in on, I want to show you for a second, is the idea of Aser, as, asar B'Shvil to asar. The Gemara and Shabbos points out a fascinating thing. Rabbi Yudas, raises a question before Rabbi Yishma, the son of Rabbi Yossi. With regard to the wealthy people in Israel, What virtue do they merit their wealth? I love when the Gemara goes to Agatha, stories, parables, life, morals, and lessons. He said to him, because they tithe. Why are they meriting their wealth? Because they tithe. As it says in the Pasik, a tithe you shall tithe, asar to asar, asar to asar. From all the crops of your seed that come out of the field each year, Devarim points out, the sages interpreted this homiletically. take a tithe aser so that you will become wealthy tit share. Again, the words of the Torah don't have the vowels, don't have the conjugations. You can figure out the sages really figure out how to tithe, how to conjugate it. Aser bishvil share. Tithe in order to become wealthy. With regard to the wealthy of Babylonia, they did something else because they didn't have to do tithes. They weren't dependent on the land. It wasn't the land of Israel because they honored the Torah and the seizures of Babylonia. But the Gemara Tanis also picks up on it. Rabbi Yochanan asks, What is the meaning of that which is written, a tithe you shall take? Aser te aser. Devarim. The phrase can be interpreted homiletically, like we said, Take a tithe, aser, so that you will become wealthy. Tit asher. In the merit of the mitzvah. And listen to this story. Rabbi Yochanan found the young son of Reish Lakish. Reish Lakish was his partner, his study partner. They could have been best friends. Rabbi Yochanan had a very, very, very difficult life. He lost a lot of people. We should never know from such things. But at the end, he lost his, his partner, study partner, and that was too much for him. He went crazy. We talk a lot about that in the on Friendship. But anyway, he found the young son of Reish Lakish, who must have been probably a very good friend. So he says to the boy, Recite to me your verse. What's the verse you're studying in school? The boy says to him, Aser to Aser. The boy further says to Rabbi Yochanan, What's the meaning of this phrase? A tithe you shall tithe. Rabbi Yochanan said to him, The verse means, Take a tithe, Give tzedakah, Give charity, Be generous, Go above and beyond, So that you will become wealthy. The boy says to Rabbi Yochanan, Where do you know this? How do you know this? Where do you derive this? Rabbi Yochanan says to him, Go and test it. The boy said to him, Is it permitted to test God? Isn't it written, you shall not test the Lord your God from Devarim? Rabbi Yochanan says to the boy, Rabbi Hoshea said as follows It is prohibited to test God in any way except in the case of tithing, except in the case of Sedakah, in the case of giving, being generous. As it is stated, Malachi points out, the Navi Malachi says in Paragimel Pasik Yud, bring the whole tithe into the storeroom that there may be food in my house and test me now by this. Hashem says, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing that there be more than sufficiency. The only area of your entire life Hashem allows you to test Him is by tzedakah, is by giving, is by being generous. The Medrash Tanhum Buber explains in Re'eim, You shall surely tithe so that you may become rich. The Hebrew letters, look at this, in the Hebrew letters, the roots translated tithe and become rich are identical. The word for tithe is ayin shin Resh, aser, like ma'aser, taking ma'aser. What is the word for rich? Ashir, ayin shin resh. Or maybe it's aleph shin resh. Either way, it's the same shoresh. aleph shin resh, or ayin shin resh, and aleph shin resh, ayin shin resh. Aser, for tithing, and rich, ashirus, which is the same root, shoresh, same three words, tithe and rich. It's not a coincidence the tithing and becoming rich, you find a hint in the Torah by taking out the tenth, giving away tzedakah is the surefire way to make sure you become rich. And the Medrash Tanchomo points out also, I love the wordplay. Give the tithes in order that you become rich. Give the tithes in order that you will be lacking for nothing, as the Medrash points out. And Medrash Mishle also points out: to Aser, aser asher. Give in order that you will not lose. That's the idea of tithing in order to become wealthy. Aser to Aser, Aser b'Shviel to Aser. The only time we could test God. And I also want to point out when we talk about becoming wealthy, wealthy doesn't only mean wealthy in money, in my opinion. Wealthy, when we say giving tithes to duck leaves to wealth, I think it also can allude to the idea of what real Ashiras is. You know, a person could have a hut, but they could feel like they're the richest person in the world. A person can have a mansion and feel like the poorest person in the world. It's a way of living life. It's a way of looking at life. Look at all the people, the lahavdil, 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 The celebrities who have thousands of mansions but have empty lives. Is that a rich life? It's an empty, neglected, lacking worth life. What does it mean, rich? It doesn't just mean that you have mansions and cars, because that doesn't really equal a wealthy life. What can a wealthy life be? Maybe it's what Perke Avos teaches us in Dalit Aleph. Ezahu Ashir, Ben Zoma asks... HaSameach bechelka. Who is really rich? He who is happy, content with his lot. A person who gives. A person who is generous. A person who is doing chesed and doing for others. That's a person that's really, that can be really happy. That could be really fulfilled. When you do for others, you do for your spouse, you do for your kids, you do for others, you're involved in mitzvahs especially. Chesed, especially tzedakah, especially generosity above and beyond, that's a person that could feel really happy. That could person that could feel really rich. When you see how generous Hashem is with you, providing you with the exact spouse you need, the exact kids at the moment that Hashem wants you to have, the exact job you have, the exact house and car materials you need, and you can really appreciate what you have when you see how much other people do not have, That is a person that could feel really rich. That is a person that could be really content with his lot. Someone who's really happy with what Hashem gave him can be the person who's really rich and that could all come from doing and giving and being generous for others. Giving can lead to Ashiras in many different ways. I often like to talk and live by a phrase I often tell my wife and I often tell others. Money comes and goes but happiness memories taking care of your spouse and kids that's what really matters that's what really stays money comes and goes but memories taking care of your spouse and kids and happiness that's what really matters and really stays and that's a phrase that i came up with over the years but do you know that this is actually pointed out in some sources let's show you where michele points out in yud otros That's the idea of righteousness saves from death. We'll get to the idea of money comes and goes in a second. But look at this. Tzedakah tzatzimamavis is a very famous phrase, and they use it a lot all over the world. Give tzedakah, it'll save you from death. But in general, righteousness saves from death. The Gemara and Shabbos points out an amazing story also. Shabbos 156b. There's a story that happened to Rabbi Akiva that can be derived. There was no constellation for the Jewish people as Rabbi Akiva had a daughter and Chaldean astrologers told him that on the same day that she enters the wedding canopy, a snake will bite her and she will die. Crazy story. She was very worried about this. On that day, her wedding day, she took the ornamental pin from her hair. She stuck it into a hole in the wall for safekeeping. And it happened that it entered directly into the eye of a snake. A venomous, poisonous snake, most likely. In the morning, when she took the pin, the snake was pulled and came out with it. Rabbi Kim, her father, said to her, What did you do to merit being saved from the snake? She told him, In the evening, a poor person came and knocked on the door. Everyone was preoccupied with the wedding festivities, with the feast, and nobody heard him. I stood and took the portion that you had given me and gave it to him, which I believe is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful source for knocking down the extravagance that has become crazy recent norms. What a beautiful thing. Everyone's involved in festivities, but the only important thing was this one mitzvah, giving to the poor. So I love seeing when a kid for the bar mitzvah, instead of having a huge celebration, takes that money and gives it to chesed, or does a chesed project. I love that. That's the main important thing. What are we learning? What are we teaching? What are we involved with in bar mitzvahs, about mitzvahs and weddings? When did it become about the money, the extravagance? Focus on the proper. That might be a side effect of Corona. Focus on on the affair, not on the trivialities, not on the materialities. Anyway, Rabbi Kiva's daughter was saved from death because she gave tzedakah on the night of her own wedding. Rabbi Kiva said to her, you performed a mitzvah and you were saved in its merit. Rabbi Kiva went out and taught based on this incident in his own life, that even though it is written, charity will save from death from Mishling, it doesn't mean it will save from a person only from unusual death, but even from real death itself. And that's another point to hone in on. Be as generous as possible. Do as much as we can to be saved from death, with using tzedakah as a way to do so, as the Machsar teaches us, especially by Rosh Hashanah. What do we say after that paragraph? Tzedakah is one of the surefire ways to avoid death, to avoid bad decrees. You do tzedakah, you become rich. You do tzedakah, you have a filled life, a generous-filled life. Surefire way to have a beautiful life with Hashem's help. The idea of money comes and, going, and money comes and money goes and happiness and the, the, all that comes with it pointed out from Rabbi Rosner in this past week's Parsha Kisisa in Shalom Rav. The Gemara points out also in Shabbos 151, Rav used to instruct his wife when a poor person comes collecting, make sure to give him food quickly, even before he asks that he will treat our children in kind. Ravchia's wife was troubled by his comment. Why are you cursing me, she asked. Our children don't need handouts. Ravchia responded, a person's financial status is never certain, is always subject to change. Money comes and money goes. In one generation, a family may be wealthy or poor. In the next generation or a few later, they may be in the opposite state. Financial status is a galgal chazer, a wheel of fortune, if you will, Lahabdil. The Torah uses the word Vinatenu when talking about giving a HaShakal which also we talked about on Purim. We, we were involved in I mean on Purim. Why was it a Machatitz HaShakal and why was the word Vinatenu used? Explains the Vilna Gon, By giving a half a shekel the word Vinatenu is to show to preemptively give tzedakah. The word is a palindrome. Vinatenu, Vinatenu. Either way you read the word same backwards and forwards to show Financial status goes around and around like a wheel of fortune. Money comes and money goes. A proof text right here from Rabbi Rosner pointing out to us with the Vilna Gom, Galgal Money comes and money goes. What's really important in life? How generous can you be in life? How above and beyond can you be in life? Why a half a shekel though? The Vilna points out that we know that charity saves from death. But there's an allusion to the idea in the Hebrew wording spelling of the word macha tzitz, macha tzitz itself. Why? Mem, chet, tzadi, yud, tough. The middle of the word macha tzitz is what letter? The tzadi. The tzadi alludes to the word siddaka Tzadi for tzidaka. What are the two letters surrounding the tzadi in macha tzitz? Chet and yud. The inner, innermost ones are Yud and Chet, which stand for Chai, or life. When you do tzedakah, what surrounds it? Life. But if you don't do tzedakah, what are the outermost letters around Machatzis? The Mem and the Taf, which spell mate, death. Thus proving, alluding to really, that tzedakah gives life. Tzedakah keeps away death. Torah Orach points out, the author points out in Devarim, When someone does good without expecting or wanting compensation by the recipient, that is a Nadiv. That is a real generous person. We talk about chesed shal'emes, but really in general, if you're a generous person, that could also be shal'emes if you don't expect anything in return. Rabbeinu Bache points out we talked about Avram when Sarah was baking the cakes for the guests. He was making it so for the guests to be of a really generous disposition. He wanted to show the wording that it was a very generous person, not just a chesed person, but a generous person also. The idea of, of the chavis chaim, by the way, he doesn't call it sefer chesed chesed; he calls it Ahavaz chesed. When you love to do chesed, you love to give. You can become more generous also. Rabbi Nibache points out God feels close to people who are a generous heart, whereas He hates people who are stingy by nature. And that's another point. The more generous you are, the more you give, the more you go above and beyond this, the more you go above and beyond the strict letter of the law. Hashem will be closer to you. You'll feel closer to Him. The Sefer Yosher points out one should be generous to the poor with his wealth and with the and to the downcast with his counsel. And he and the Orch HaTzadikim points out that there's nothing in the world like generosity for the people of the world to love you. Even in the world to come, you get great reward because of that. And he also points out the quality of generosity depends upon habit. A man cannot be called generous unless he gives of his free will all the time. Just like the Rambam points out, you give all those gold pieces time and time and time again. One coin to a thousand people instead of a thousand coins to one person makes you into a more giving, more generous person. And one should be generous with his money, the Orchid Sadikin points out, to do good deeds, as Rabbi Gamliel did when he bought an essert for a thousand tzuz. Be generous with money to adorn the commandments of the Torah, embellishing the commandment. Pay up to a third more. Be generous with money to copy... And purchase books and to lend them to one who has none. And be easygoing, not mind if the books are damaged when they're used, Kasuvas points. out. be generous when it comes to lending utensils, lending time and resources to your neighbors and friends, generous in loaning money to the poor, generous in business matters, never be petty in small matters, not be exacting when giving oil or wine, they ask for a cup, so give a cup and a half, maybe they need more. Don't be exact in the measure, generous with energy, going out of your way for people, bearing their burden, bearing their yoke, feeling pain at their anguish, praying for their sake, rejoicing in their joy, visiting the sick, doing kindness and deeds. And be generous at most with his knowledge of Torah, teaching everyone knowledge drawing their hearts towards heaven, whatever you could teach, teach. That is the greatest type of generosity of all, giving someone Torah, giving someone eternity in the life of the world to come. And that's the other point to carry over. Go above and beyond in all ways and in all aspects with all that we do should be generous beyond the strict letter of the law, giving all we have, even books and items. And our last three sources, Shanae Luchosabris points out, When a man resists the natural inclination to be hard-hearted and trains himself to be generous of a giving nature, he endows the material goods he possesses with a degree of sanctity. Kavayashir says, when a person is guesting at home, let him be sure to serve them a generous portion. Or just put all the food on the table, let themselves take a generous portion. I'm not going to scoop it for you. Or don't invite them at all. Either be generous to them, give them very generous portions, or let them do it themselves, or don't invite them at all. Lest they be punished as above, God forbid. For whoever partakes of food of someone with a generous eye eats to the satiation of his soul, even if the quantity he ate is small. And the Shalhevet Shalomunah says some individuals are very generous and they attain a sense of divine experience through giving charity. And that's the last point to carry over. We must push ourselves to become generous by our very nature, to go above and beyond to help all those around us. When we train ourselves to become givers and generous by nature, it can be a divinely inspired and uplifting experience. Let's just review all the points to carry over. We must go above and beyond for our everything in our lives, including relationships, especially spouses, then kids, and everyone else, those around us and the world at large. The standard itself is not what is the end-all and be-all, is not the ideal. Do more than require, be truly generous and chesed-oriented for all those others around you. We should do what we can to be more than the minimum, more than the basis or the floor of what is required. Use our time, money, resources, and abilities to go above and beyond to help those around us with a generous mindset. Do what we can to become a chassid, pious in our own actions and our own lives. Being a pious person who goes beyond the simple help is what we should aspire to do. Having generous nature can lead us to do for others more than necessary to become a chassid. Think about going above and beyond for mitzvahs, not only for Hanukkah to do mahajim and mahajim there, but to use mahajim and mahajim in every aspect of our lives, for mitzvahs, Torah learning, and chesed too. Go above and beyond in observing the mitzvahs and executing them. Don't just get a simple menorah, lu'alav, lu'lav, spend on them, beautify the mitzvahs, elevate them. But only go above and beyond for good, for chesed, for mitzvahs, not God forbid to hurt or harm others. Train yourself to have a good eye and a good heart, to be generous toward others in all aspects, with time, money, resources, and abilities. Every act you do for others with a generous spirit above and beyond trains your generosity muscles, makes you by definition into a more and more generous person of spirit and nature. We should first make sure to want to do good for others and want to be generous for others with generosity of mind, body, and spirit. Then hopefully Hashem will bless us to have it and use it every day. Being a generous person leads to having a blessed full life. Train ourselves to be generous, to go above and beyond. Life will feel even richer and full of blessings, fulfillment and happiness. If you give to others, Hashem will make sure you have what to give to others. The idea is to tithe in order to become wealthy. The only time we can test God is with tithes. And, and fulfillment, and, and happiness, and richness can be that you'll be happy, content, and satisfied with your lot when you give to others around you. Be as generous as possible, do as much as we can to be saved from death, with using tzedakah as a way to do so, as the Machsar teaches, U ut tzedakah the more generous you are, the more you give, the more you go above and beyond the strict letter of the law, Hashem will be closer to you, you will feel closer to Him. Going above and beyond in all ways and in all aspects, With all that we do, we should be generous beyond the strict letter, giving all that we have, even with books, items, or the like. And we must push ourselves to become generous by our very nature, to go above and beyond to help all those around us. When we train ourselves to become givers and generous by nature, it can be a divinely inspired and uplifting experience. Thank you so much for joining us. God willing, we'll be back in two weeks for the lecture series with Reb T, where we talk a topic per lesson with some practical lessons. Thank you, and have a wonderful night.